Welcome to Unashamed Unafraid, a show unashamed about sexual addiction recovery and unafraid of coming into Christ for healing. Where we talk about real recovery stories, answer anonymous questions with experts, and share resources that actually work. I'm your host, Steve. And I'm your co-host, James. And we are Unashamed Unafraid. Jason. Yeah. This is a topic you and I talk about... A lot. Probably every time we get together. Probably, yeah. Um, so for those of you who don't know, um, which I am not the biggest proponent of 12-step. Right. In that, I always tell people 12-step is, is a great first step. It's a great community. But people, I feel like, often talk about it as a live-all and all in this big thing. And for me, it hasn't been this big part of my recovery. Um, I still go to a meeting um, not as often as I should. I don't want to be a hypocrite here, right? I don't go every week religiously and do the 12 steps. Um, I have never truly worked the 12 steps. So, um, not as a know-it-all, not just as a broken regular person. It's never been the biggest thing for me. For you, it's a big part of, has been a big part of your recovery. Yeah, absolutely. 12 steps has been kind of everything for me. It's where it the all began. The anchor. Yeah, the anchor. Yeah. There's a lot of other steps that are important, but the, the ARP specifically Church's Addiction Program, has been a big, big tool for me. Yeah, and so I feel a lot of times in our posts with Men's Story, we talk around these resources, so we want to just be doing more posts about some of these resources and share. So Yeah, so we're actually pretty excited. We're going to do a, a series of posts here where we're going to talk about different recovery resources, and we're starting it off with the uh, LDS Addiction Recovery Program. Yep, So well, and, and I think to help people translate... Like all twelve step is kind of the same. Yeah. So if you're if you're not a member of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter Day Saints, they're going to say the word ARP like eight hundred flipping times in here because that's what everyone in the LDS Church calls it. Um, they're just saying just replace all of that with twelve step. Right. For those of you who are in the church and think this is something unique to the church, it's a hundred percent not. It's the AA program, and they brought it into the church, and they just say Jesus instead of God as we know him. So for both sides of that camp, wherever you sit uh, as our listener, um, it's all Jesus. It's all 12 steps. But um, the 12 steps work, at least for me. And and for a lot of people. So I I really think that I'm the one who doesn't get it. (laughs) No, really, if I'm being honest, like I really think I'm the one who doesn't get it. Because I'm like, there's so many men that it's been really powerful powerful for. It's got to be my pride. So I'm excited about this post. Just I think there's things for me to learn. Yeah, I'm excited we got Matt back too. Yeah, yeah. So Matt, great story. You know, has some great points of view. And we, we, when he left here, when we recorded a story, we kind of got in this conversation about the 12 steps with him. He's kind of like you. He's real rah rah. Loves the 12 steps. Sponsors like a bunch of men at a time. Yep. He's like sponsoring them like dozens at a time. He's super into that. Which is great, right? Um, and then tell us about our other guest. Uh, so the other guest is, uh, I, I know him as Elder Blossel. Um, we call him Randy on the show. Yep, um, Randy Blossel. Yep, he is uh, a missionary. Uh, so uh, actually received a calling from the church to... Help run these Help groups. run these meetings, yes. Okay, well um, He's been doing it for, for many, many years. I don't even know how long. Uh, I think probably since the group got going. Um, and, uh, he's just a, a wealth of the spirit and knowledge. And so I, I thought, well, heck, let's bring him in and have him talk about it. Well, and better. I felt that when we recorded with him, like, this is a guy that I'm like, like mentor, like, you yeah. know, you meet some of those people that you're like, I'd like to go to lunch and just hear your take on life. Yep. He's that kind of guy. Um, and it was interesting when we recorded with him, he, we kind of had to get it out of him. 
you know, where he's like, well, I don't know, Jason and Matt can talk about it. And, and then he dropped just, you know, some real gems. Some so, bombs, yeah. Um, well, well worth listening to, um, you know, so if you have questions around the 12-step or you're like me and you kind of struggle engaging in the 12-step, I think this will be a powerful post. Absolutely. So with that, let's jump in the studio with uh, Randy and Matt. Let's do it. Thank you. Um, Matt, as, um, if you, because I know everyone listens to every one of our episodes all the way through thoroughly and multiple times. Um, Matt, uh, we recently shared his story. Um, Matt, special shout out here to Kurt Frankham of Leading Saints. Uh, we, uh, you are our first call in recording, Matt. So you are an unashamed, unafraid first. So I'm honored. Thank you. Yeah, I know. I know it's a big weight to kind of carry a mantle, but we appreciate you being willing to carry that. And then we're all figured out. Yeah. Yeah. You're there. You're there. Um, and, and then Jason, why don't you introduce Randy to us? Uh, well, yeah. So Randy or elder Blossel, as some of us know him, uh, he's a missionary with the, uh, uh, churches, the church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints, uh, 12 step ARP program, the addiction recovery program, which is the, which is the church's adaptation of the AA 12 steps. Right. Right. So a little more Jesus direct. We can kind of let Randy speak that. So tell us, Randy, well, just thanks for being here with us. First no, my of all. pleasure. Thanks for asking me. And tell us just anything he did. That's kind of the first date stuff. Tell us anything else to kind of <laughs> paint you into context for us to get to. We know Matt. We have his whole story recorded. It's all there. But paint, us, paint yourself a little bit. So my neighbors across the street were involved in developing the program for uh, the addiction recovery program and our church uh, sponsors. And uh, we're involved in writing curriculum, et cetera. And so for years, we learned this from our neighbors. And I always thought that um, you had to be a missionary couple, a volunteer couple, to be involved in the program. So we knew quite a bit about it. And then it was uh, three years ago that I found out in a church meeting that, uh, let's see, uh, individuals can serve in a capacity, in a volunteer capacity. And so I, I went right up to the the uh, ecclesiastical leader in our church said, I'm in right now, you know, sign me up. And so it's been almost three years now. And uh, there's been addiction in my family. I've had a couple um, great aunts who were alcoholics. Uh, I had a nephew who uh, took his own life, and he struggled with some things. And uh, so there's in and out of our family. It hits family. home for you. Yeah, it does. It hits home. Kind right. of the addiction background and the addiction struggle. Yeah, and, and maybe... Maybe less so the addiction, and more so what's driving the addiction. You know, addiction is just a symptom of what's going on, a bunch of other stuff. And uh, and it it can manifest itself in addiction. It can manifest itself in lots of stuff. So I'm not really concerned about the addiction. I really want to solve the issue of, of pain somehow. Oh, that's awesome. That's awesome. So, well, let's just jump right into it. So. What is the 12 step? You guys can fill in the blanks if I miss it. Originally, Alcoholics Anonymous, AA as people know it, right? There's 12 specific steps to an addiction recovery, right? Kind of changing your life, right? It's originally based in God, right? It talks about God 
as we know him is often the words used right in in the in the original text and then it's been the 12 steps has been adopted by various groups right so now we know there's SA groups and there's right the church has adopted it as an addiction recovery program right the 12 steps so i don't think we need to say a ton to kind of that what it is maybe i think everyone kind of knows um who's done anything but tell me you know i don't i mean any of the basics that you think we need to say that people may not know? Jason, go ahead. <laughs> He's asking me. <laughs> uh, well, I mean, from my understanding, it's uh, when we're talking about the LDS addiction recovery program, obviously it's based on Jesus Christ. Um, right. As opposed to God as we know him, uh, which is a little right. bit more nebulous for we're those We're super who, down with Jesus right. around these parts. Yep, yep. yep. That In works our for us. Um, yeah, I mean... I don't know, Matt, what do you think? Yeah, I, when I think of the 12-step addiction recovery, I, I was introduced to the Church of Jesus Christ of Saints, and so I had ecclesiastical leader, my bishop involved. Um, I had, you know, uh, a sponsor introduced to, and um, I, I see it. I see them not as two separate things. I saw them as one thing, as, uh, you know, repentance and change being connected to a program, and it was the first time there was a system to allow people to do that. And so... I connected the two immediately and, and still see them connected for me personally. I'm grateful that it came through a church program and I was introduced quickly knowing its context and origin. So I could appreciate where it came from and learn that story, but then seeing how it related to my current situation. What I appreciate about uh, what our church does is I'm 61 years old. And so I've, I've seen a little bit uh, the, some of the changes that have taken place in our church and some of the policies and, so we, we're truth seekers as a church, and I, I love that because we, we find truth where we can get it and we, we apply it where we can. And uh, it, it took, you know, Bill W. and his experience, and he write the, wrote the big book and just this amazing journey that he had that uh, brought him to developing a worldwide international program. I mean, you go on cruise ships and you see Friends of Bill W., you know, and, uh-huh. and, yep. and all these different pla- Wherever you go, there's always like a Friends of Bill W. And so they've had great success with it. And I'm grateful that our church was to say, you know what, this is something we want to also own and bring in. Yep. And we're going to apply uh, really the, the 12 steps, they're, they're not too much different. You know, re, they're not really totally rewritten at all. I mean, they, they're, they're, in essence, they're the same 12 steps. We just apply a couple things uh, uh, theologically, like more reference to Jesus Christ, the Holy Ghost, right. Heavenly Father. Well, I think there's some things sprinkled throughout that, uh, as a member of the church, like I, there were scriptural references, there are conference talks. And so when you look at, you know, what you're studying, you know, in your, in your normal religious studies and connecting it to a recovery program, it really helped normalize it. It really helped connect it to what you've already been taught. And you're like, wow, okay, my eyes are open. This content that I've already digested via scriptures, via conference talks, and, and now to this program. And so like program content was new, like in, in your time and place, but it could connect to things you had already been learning. And so the relatability was very high. Yeah. So, uh, so I mean, I guess j- just, you know, jumping right into it, and, and we've had this conversation, I am not a giant 12-step live-all, end-all proponent. I, I think I say that often, people know me. I really like the 12-step certain things. There are certain things I don't like. I'm very open about that. It's the first thing I recommend for everyone, and I think it's the first thing that most people hear about when they either tell their spouse or a friend or leader of their church or church leader, bishop, whatever, almost the first thing they get is, 
hey, you need to go to a 12-step meeting. ARP, yeah. You have an addiction or you have a problem, whatever label they're using, and you need to go to a 12-step meeting. Um, and so I guess the question I ask you guys more involved, right? I mean, your experience working with the program is, for some people, it you know, is it the live-all, end-all? Can I only do the 12-step program and that's going to get me to sobriety and recovery? I mean, we could define that, right? Sobriety, I'm not acting out in the behavior recovery is, you know, my heart's really changed. I'm not seeking the behavior, right? So maybe, and we'll, we'll start with you, Randy, maybe you can speak to why quotation marks, does it work for some people and, and doesn't work for others? As you've seen men, you know, and when we'll go through the program, what's, what's the indicator there? What's the difference? Is it, is it just where they're at? Is it their approach to it, their willingness, their perspective? Yeah, great questions. I think we should just start from why do we encourage people to go to a 12-step meeting? And as addicts know, and those who suffer from that, addiction is a very private and lonely space. It's a very secluded space. And so once someone comes into a meeting, they realize, I think, for the first time they're not alone. Totally. And then you're there with other people. And then you're with other people talking about their story, and then you have grown men breaking down, crying, saying, this is the first time I could ever talk about it. Totally. And that's why I think it is actually the first thing everyone should ever do. Because just if you're first admitting you have a problem, to just sit in a room with eight or ten other guys that also will admit that they look at porn, that's like really empowering. Like, that's it's big for me. I mean, I think it's big for everybody. Yeah, I'm, because I'm sure it completely melts away a lot of shame about themselves, labels about themselves of being a pervert or whatever, and that is just not the case. You have these individuals in there that are expressing themselves probably for the first time a lot of times. Yeah. And then getting strength from other people, and then they realize that everyone sitting there are servants of God. They might feel they come in with their head between their legs, but then they realize they're doing the Lord's bidding. They're doing God's will by serving each other just by being there. I remember being in my first meeting um, and being so terrified to run into somebody that I knew. And, <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. My anxiety yeah, was like there. 17 out of 10. I was shaking, you know, for those exact reasons you spelled out elder. And I got in there and I saw two people that I knew, not one, but two. And my instant emotion was relief actually i was like oh man hey <laughs> you know and we without a word we can go like i understand nonverbal to connect immediately and that, that feeling of alone or all the shame was gone immediately and even when i recorded the last podcast ran into a very good friend had no idea he was in, in the podcast at all we've gone to lunch since and just our, our friendship has expanded tenfold we've just completely got traded vulnerability and trust each other that never existed. I've known him for 10 years and I saw him there and I was like, oh, dude. And the trust was so high at that one moment. Nothing needed to be said. So here's a question, um, maybe more for Randy, I think. Um, What would you say to somebody like me, who the first time I went to an ARP meeting, I sat down, I was told by my bishop that's where I needed to go. And so I sat down and I went, this is just a group of guys in a room complaining about how hard their lives are. And they're all sad, and that sucks for them. And that's all I felt was just this almost pity. And maybe I was in denial. I, what, what would you say to somebody like that that just doesn't, maybe doesn't feel at home there, maybe doesn't feel like it's for them? 
Well, and I would echo, I think, because I talk to a lot of men, and this is a, a residual pr- – if I said there's a problem with the 12 steps, right, a problem a lot of men have who aren't finding the 12-step effective, I think Jason's hitting right on it is there's a lot of, like, lack of progress or kind of not accountable. I went to one for a long time, and there were two guys there who had been coming to the same meeting for eight years, and they showed up every week and talked about kind of what Jason's saying, how they had slipped – how their wives were still like, come on. And it was just kind of all, and I remember after months of seeing them, I'm like, at what point in time do you say, Hey, clearly what I'm doing doesn't work. I'm wasting time. And I, and I didn't feel, cause in most 12 steps, you don't cross talk, right? When someone's sharing, you don't either give them a, Hey, that's really tough, bro. I'm sorry. Or dude, I think you're full of crap. Right, not in in that. Um, and so, what would you say to the guys where that's kind of their point of struggle, Randy? Of because for me, honestly, like that, I I fit into that category a little bit. And I know a lot of men do, where they're like, I show up and it's kind of a group of I call them addiction managers because they're not changing; they're just kind of managing. Yeah, I'm an addict, and it sucks, and my life sucks, and let me just well, manage that. So the, the feeling so, I got was there's no difference between this and fast and testimony meeting, other than we're talking about addiction. That was my yeah, first my first experience. So, Second, so for that next guy, experience was totally different. Yeah. Well, but, so for that guy, yeah. What do we say to that guy, Randy? Well, and then l- Matt, we'll, we'll have you kind l- of let me just, as well. Let me just ask another question of Jason. Jason, what did it take for you to stop feeling that? Because it's agencies involved here, right? So yeah. choice. I mean, we can't force you to feel differently. So, what was it that made you think and feel differently? Uh, about. Five to six years of uh, slogging through it and clarity later of realizing that I actually had a problem. Um, I think the first time I was just so full of myself, maybe I didn't I didn't get it, like I didn't see it. Um, I said, well, I'm different than these guys. I don't know. It's, it's not mine, right? It's not the same thing. Um, they're just sad. I'm fine. Maybe there's a lot of denial there. Well, as Stanley Laurel said, you can, you can uh, uh, lead a horse to water, but a pencil must be led. So, <laughs> yeah. So, well, anyway, something like that. But, it, yeah, so there's a fellow that was just uh, last Sunday. He said for the first – and he's been coming to meetings forever. He reads the big book, and he has, always has terrific shares. But he says, I still struggle with just getting it and – and owning being here. And then he said, last Sunday, I finally feel hope. And this is seven years or six years he's been <laughs> doing yeah. this. And uh, so I, I don't really have an answer. I, I, I think it's just perseverance. It, it's just sticking to something. Um, there, there's a great book called The Art of War. And it, it personifies resistance. Anybody that's working in art or creating something, there's always something called resistance, and we, we feed resistance. We, it's, resistance is our reward. It's our excuse. It's our justification. It's for everything that blocks us from doing something good. We all suffer with resistance, and we, we make that a household friend and a household guest. So um, that might be a book, good book to read. Uh, for anybody listening, well, we'll, it's throw, a short, a link, yeah. it's, we'll throw a link to that yeah, on the website. It's a short when read. We put the post. Yeah, yeah we'll so everybody it, yeah. I think has to deal with that. And and um, well, men love that. The art of war. I'm totally, I'm going to read that book. <laughs> right. I do. And then I mean, they'll yeah. resist reading it. Yes. So, 
So yeah, for somebody that comes in and, and feels that way, I, um, everybody has they need, they need to be safe, even feeling that when they walk in, right? And and no one's going to put a gun to anybody's head for being there and feeling like they should feel differently. Yeah, it, it's we. This place is safe. It's regular, and you come every single week, and you just you're open just to feel something. You've got to. I think so. We need to feel. Um, safe to feel differently and yeah. to and to think different thoughts yeah. only then will we change matt what would you say to those guys man i i really appreciate the uh, analogy um and that book is so good uh there's so many principles uh with war and vulnerabilities and this kind of strategy to overcome something personally and that book is used in business context and in so many different places. But actually, it's, I think it's called the War the War of Art. That's yeah, the Art the war, of War is yeah. the other one. Yeah, well, no, the war the, and the War of Art. Yeah, but the War of Funny Art enough, is, I, is different. Yeah, it's a terrific. We'll, we'll put, put both. both. There. We'll yeah. put them yeah. both yeah. on there. The War Keep of Art. Man. Yeah, forget the Art of War. So what you said about resistance is very real. Um, it, there's so many things we know that we can be successful with personally. Like I know if I eat healthy, I'll do better. I know if I study, I'll learn more. I'll know if I'm kind at home, I'll be better. I know if I do all these things that I have learned, you know, just technically, if I do these things, it'll, it'll be good. We're told if you read and pray, it will help you. And I would say that 99 to 99.5% of people hear that and they brush it aside because it's not some amazing, inspiring answer. It's actually really hard. Um, and I would say that the, your question really correlates to like, if I go to church, you know, and, and, and attend meetings, will I convert to the gospel of Jesus Christ? And I would say absolutely not. Uh, you'll do the dance, but you won't hear the music. Um, I think for me, the pain was so exquisite uh, personally that it was the only thing I threw myself into. I put full trust in that program and I did it all the way and repeated it. And it was in actually completing it and feeling the pain and having a you know, life-altering desire that change occurred. For most people, their pain is a four out of 10. Uh, wife's frustrated, but not ready to leave. The, most people are doing it to check a box, not to actually change. I think that you've hit on some points that there's just some sad people. There's this other side to it, though, about uh, the program is there's this personal desire to change. Absolutely agree with the agency comment. But um, going and listening to people kind of moan and weep, that's where the Savior excelled the most. And I think that that's something that's been hard for me to learn and then to just be okay with is that um, when, when Lazarus, you know, died and, and Jesus got the news, he went and visited them. He visited the family before he performed the miracle, simply to cry with them. He knew what he was about to do, but he came to, to mourn with them, to weep with them. And they felt loved, they felt accepted, and then felt safe. And then he performed the miracle. That's I mean, great. imagine that whole story in reverse order. It wouldn't have had nearly the impact. Um, they were actually mad at Jesus. Like, where were you? You know, and... And here he is, you know, I'm here. I'm here for you. And then they were grateful and, you know, they, they, they wept together. And then he performed this miracle. And I think the ARP, there's this kind of silent magic about having a place where you can go and do that. And whether they are changing or not, I think for me, if I, I'm okay being that guy to just listen to someone who isn't changing, but knows that it's a place where they can go and weep. Because one day it will hurt enough. But when it hurts enough, they know who they can trust, they know where they can go, and they know immediately what to do. So here's, here's I, I want to maybe backpedal a little bit my earlier comment. I, I, 
I'm a little bit harsher than I think I really was at the time. Um, I did get some benefit from it at the time. Um, to answer my own question, I think what it really came down to was uh, that a few sessions in, I decided, I'm okay. I got this, right? I stopped going. And it wasn't until probably five years later when I was still lying and, yeah, you know, not recovering and hiding and everything came crashing down. Then I went back and I think it was just the, the humility was there. The, the want to change was there. You said you, you used the word agency, Randy. Um, I think that that was there that I, I, I was choosing to be there as opposed to being told to be there. And I think for a lot of brethren that come in, and, and this is one of my favorite things, for those who don't know, I'm a facilitator in the ARP meetings. Um, basically, what that means you is... Fa- you facilitate a group. Yeah, right? yeah. I'm a volunteer there um, as a recovering addict, and I, I'm able to be there to uh, you know, talk with these brethren, be there to show them, look, this is real, I'm a real person too, and I, I also right. struggle with this, and to share my testimony of recovery. And, and one of my favorite things is to see a new brother come in and sit down sheepish and looking down at the floor and not wanting to engage with anybody and feeling like maybe they don't belong there. And then by the end of the meeting, they have all these brothers. They have all these men that are there with them that, that commiserate with them and love them for who they are. And and like was said earlier, it's like, a, I'm not alone, right? Thinking, walking in thinking, I'm different. This is not my addiction. These guys are different than I am. But with that open mind, by the end of it, you realize that, no, we all, we all have the same problem here, right? Well, and maybe, maybe the help that we can give people listening who struggle with 12-step is what's helped me, because um, I still go to one now, and is to know what it is and what it isn't. And so I think one of the big letdowns, I think, is when people get introduced to the 12-step as a live-all, end-all, like you do just this and recovery is going to work out for you. So I think one of the big, what it is, what it isn't is it it is not group therapy. So having been to group therapy, knowing many you have, that's a very different experience because in group therapy, you will have crosstalk. You will have this, that. So I remember one time, well, I mean, you have a therapist there and you have a therapist, right? You have a professional facility. So I remember one time in group specifically for me, I was talking about what happened and I'd slipped and kind of some difficulties with, you know, my wife Kayla and that or whatever. And, and it was this moment and, and a guy in my group was like, well, that's kind of interesting how you shared that having known you from, you know, several months of group. And the therapist was like, so in case you missed it, none of this is your wife's problem. It's a hundred percent your problem. And right now you're blaming. So if you didn't realize you were blaming all the time, here's your light bulb moment. Yar. And I'm like, oh, wow, you know, like, like you'll get that out of group therapy because it will be a little bit more hands-on, but you're not going to get the group therapy out of the 12-step, right? But I love, I love what Matt shared earlier is you will find community there. And I think a positive, like out of Matt's story, finding some people you know or choosing to get to know some men in the group, like no one goes through addiction. I, I haven't met one person, we've never had someone come share their story who they did not have men around them who they could reach out to, who kind of knew their story. Um, And so if you're someone who says, and and we've had anonymous questions and people who are like, no one gets me, no one relates to me, no one can be there for me. Yeah, I'll I'll guarantee you right now, you may not know the answer, but that's a lie. Because there's a 12-step meeting probably tonight 
or today within a mile of where you live. <laughs> there is one. And there is a 12-step ARP meeting every single night of the year other than general conference and Christmas. Am I right? right. Or even Christmas. Priesthood. Or, and like Christmas, that we do, yeah, yeah, right, or or an SA meeting, or yeah. right, right. With, so within within there's an a twelve hour step you. meeting on yep. some on some level that's within, and, and you can find community there, right? You're not going to find group therapy, right? Um, you may find different levels of sobriety, right? Every group is not the same, right? So that can be a difference too. Um, one group might be really new, a lot of raw guys, or a lot of guys who are on that somewhere in their cruise control phase before they kind of experience the pain that Matt talked about. So that can kind of uh, be different. I guess that kind of leads me to our next question. What's the best way for me to interact with the group? Randy, you've seen guys who have unsuccessfully gone to 12-step and dropped out of the program and haven't recovered and are still stuck, to guys who have who have really embraced the program, like Matt, really experienced some difference, really had some change. So, you know, if I was showing up to my first day of, you know, Call it like my daughter just started kindergarten and I was like, learn the other kids' names, like be nice, right? Like here's some tips to have it work out with you for this social group in school. What tips would you give to someone going to a 12-step so that they can get the most out of that recovery community and those other men? What would you tell them? Yeah, that's an interesting question because I think there is a perception that if I do go to a 12-step meeting, I'm going to get rid of my addiction. And so the elephant in the room is always the addiction. Yeah. And it's making peace with my wife. It's making peace with my family. It's making peace with my, my secrecy. Yeah. So the elephant in the room is the addiction. And if we're going to focus on that as the problem, then you're going to get guys who are frustrated who aren't going to come back and who aren't going to communicate more with everyone else. And so as I'm listening to you all talk, it's when I came in, I didn't come in as an addict, but I surely came in as a sinner. And and a man, a person. Exactly. Yeah, totally. And so as I'm going through the steps, I'm doing a self-audit about my life all the time. And that's what these 12 steps are designed to do, is to dig in deep about who I am. Because I notice that guys will come in with their with their cell phones, and they'll be reading it electronically. And, and we encourage them, okay, working the steps is after the action steps. It's the study and understanding. There's lines where you write. And so working it is digging in and writing, not just reading and being there every week and then uh, thinking you're done. Um, which, which there's benefit to being there. Ab- absolutely. I'm not discounting yeah. that at all. Completely right. not. Yeah, yeah. So, so the... It, the it's um, the community is real. You come in and you're there, and and you have that connection with people. That's fantastic, and that's going to just feed you for so long, you know. And and then there is actually working on my individual healing, because I have, how I look at the program for me is I've come to know the nature of God so much better, and who God is that He's not disappointed in me. He never is disappointed. People say, well, you know, like a father is to a son. No, that's, that's, that's wrong doctrine. Yeah. God is not disappointed because he sent us here on the earth to be tried. And then he sent his son. So he doesn't send us problems. He sent his son, Jesus Christ. And that's the headline, is that we can be redeemed. And it's not the addiction. That's not the headline. It is redemption and yeah. release. So I, I didn't quite answer your question, but I... 
All right, I'll let you circle back to it. Yeah, so yeah. so circling back is that, yeah, by coming, then you realize immediately you have a brotherhood. You have, you have a fraternity. You have people there that are, are doing. And just by coming each week and realizing, okay, um, if I go, then I'll be in, in the right place at the right time. So I'm going to first piece of advice. What I, I'm going to read between the lines here. You're saying go consistently to the same group. Uh, yeah, I think that's a really fair I, point. I will interject just yeah. real quick. Find a group that works for you. Right. And by way of example, my first time I went was at BYU, and nothing against BYU or the gentleman there. But I'm not a BYU student. I have facial hair. I have never gone to the school. Wow. At UVU. Yeah, right? <laughs> I'm at center that I am. Um, and so for me, walking into – and I'm, I'm, you know – post-mission, you know, uh, yeah. uh, I'm in my 20s, and so I'm going into this room full of 18, 19, 20-year-old brethren who are, you know, just not my peers, and I didn't yeah. feel a connection with them. Then when I went to the meeting at UVU, it was men who were my my peers, and so there was a lot more connection there. So I, I would say definitely don't give up if you don't feel connected right away. And I, well, and I go to, so I go to, an, to, essay, you you I go to an essay lifeline one, um, so I don't go to the churches. One, I go to an essay lifeline one, which like is in the middle. I would tell people the the most soft serve version is the churches. Essay lifelines kind of in the middle, and then essays probably the most raw. And that's just a personality difference, right? For some people, it, you know, they they want to say a couple curse words at a meeting, and and that is more relatable to them. For other people, having to be more a little more soft serve, feel very tender, church like is better. So there's not a right or a wrong there, but so go consistently the same group, find the, the right group for you. Um, Randy, what else would you add as far as interacting with the group to make sure you get the most out of that brotherhood? So there was a, 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 a participant that said, hey, look it, I want to hang more with you guys. Let's go bowling. I'm going to go bowling after this. And uh, I went bowling twice with them and went with a couple other people. From and, the group? From the group, yeah. yeah. And that was it. And if you have like a, uh, a, some type of, of text uh, string, you know, uh, Slack or, you know, group me or something like that to connect everybody because going to a meeting, typically it's like once a week, right? right. Some go more often, but connecting also means connecting 24-7 because so many people were, were affected by that too. They, in the middle of the night, they're struggling. They'll just SOS, you know, a message out to everybody. And then immediately someone's yeah. going to respond back. And that is also a way to connect more with the group. So it doesn't feel like an absence after you know six days, and then you have the next meeting. But also create a group me or some other type of way to communicate twenty four seven. Yeah, just bring that up in the group after the meeting. Say, hey right. guys, let's do this. Or Matt, yeah, what else Matt, would you add to kind of stay get connected in that brotherhood? Points. That group. Um, and I have I have a couple of maybe questions for us as well as the comments. But I, I agree with everything that's been said. And, Jason, when you said, like, find the group that's a fit for you, I, I wonder if that's a dangerous comment in a way. And, and please don't think of me as, like, thinking it's actually treacherous. But, like, um, one of the things I've found is I've been to nine different groups over the years. Is that I've found that um, many times you are the fit for them. And maybe you're not getting something out of it yourself, but maybe you're there for somebody else. And I think that that's a, a very different paradigm, especially... Um, you know, for, for new step, people, it's yeah. going to be hard for them to understand yeah. that. And but for well, someone new, I think that well, probably probably place those uh, probably if you're on day one of recovery, you probably need to lean yeah. more towards Jason's comment, right? If you're yep. if you're needing to find hope and you're like 
Yeah, I mean, well, you find but, what works but for you. Matt, but I think getting into recovery, if you're down the road in recovery, maybe it's more Matt's comment that it's like, no, no, you can be the change. You know what you're doing. You can influence this. Well, group I, and, I guess what I'm know. saying is, is uh, the point of consistency is that um, every group has common themes. Um, and I agree there's relatability to ages and just socioeconomic situations. But ultimately, like sin is sin and recovery is recovery. The Lord is is the fixer here. He's, he's the physician. And if we all come to surrender, whether you're a young man or an aging, you know, uh, <laughs> you know, middle-aged man, um, in all vulnerability, like my son met with the Bishop, uh, two days ago, like that's real. Yeah. And he yeah. came in and he sat with me and he and I can talk about it, not just because we're father and son, but because it's, it's the same sin. And yeah. when well, we you're open to each about other. it, right? You're open about, yeah. you know, like, son, and, I'm perfect and you better be perfect or I won't love you. What I'm saying here is, uh, you're absolutely right. Um, and I'll, I'll share an experience when I, uh, left my group and I moved cities. Um, I was told by a certain person, uh, that Randy, <laughs> <laughs> I was like, man, I just, I hate to leave. I hate to leave all these brethren behind. And, and, you know, this, this place that I've, I felt so much of the spirit and, he he looked at me and he said, "Well, they need you more than we do." And I went, "You know, that's probably true. That's probably yeah. true. They they need me too." So uh, you're absolutely right there, Matt. I di- I didn't want I wanted to make sure we agreed on that. So I would say though, if it's your first time, day one, and you're you're just afraid of sitting in a room with eight other guys who also admit they look at porn, if that's new for you and that's hard, yeah, find find the group that fits for you. Yeah. yeah. Well, and um this is the most vulnerable thing in your life. You know what I mean? And so if you walk in and you're like, Nope, <laughs> you know, like you're not going to get, you're not going to make progress. You're probably not going right. to come back. But I mean, I feel like the, um, I would just say, come in, get the printout. And, and that's the thing I want to echo the most is, um, I have, I have to change highlighters every time I go through. Cause I've, I've done the yellow so many times. I can't tell which version of yellow I've highlighted, which line. And I change ink colors and, my, my ARP book is, is weathered, but, um, using that book, the physical paper, um, the electronics were just by the nature of what that thing is, we're distracted. Um, and, and that's a hard thing. And so if I would say there's anything to do is don't bring your device. Um, I guarantee that most people Great don't. Advice. Yeah. And so that's probably the biggest thing I would say is when you go get that paper, read through it, write in it. Um, something changes when you don't have a device in front of you. It allows you to actually disconnect because most i've seen guys playing games i've seen guys you'll get (laughs) distracted well yeah or you get a text or an email from work or whatever totally and and devices are so temporary i mean they're they're just uh temporary they're fleeting and the permanence so like you said the paper has more permanence yeah and it's hard to go back on your notes on a phone i mean even with the with the gospel library app you description like that's harder to reference it's just it yeah i think there's definitely something to that man we need to be able to take notes too And by the way, there is a the church uh, released a, a a one sheet about for newcomers what to expect, and uh, because I think your question is completely relevant and um, for new people, we want new people to feel comfortable and to be coming back, and uh, wherever wherever they are on the on the path, it might be you know a long time later until they they become uh, a lot more contributing to. Uh, being leaders in, in sobriety and, and recovery. 
tell me, tell me as we're kind of talking in the group and, and I'll kind of head to this. I feel like having an accountability partner, you hear that term a lot with the 12 step, get an accountability partner. I've heard a lot of successful guys, you know, Jason says my sponsor, accountability partner, sponsor, um, you know, so I think depending on the 12 step you go to, right? So if you go to uh, uh, not the, the church's ARP one, any other one, they'll actually pass out a list. They'll hand you a sheet of paper and say, here's guys and their phone number. You can call them and say, I want a sponsor. The church doesn't do it that way. You kind of got to walk up to someone after, right? Um, well, let me tell you how I do it. So we do yeah. sit around your list, and, and people do put their names down. Good. And I then the check mark is, uh, you know, are you willing to offer support? Yeah. And so uh, what I've started started to do a while back was... Well, I think they should do that in every meeting. Yeah. And yeah. so it, and then it's, I, I let them know, okay, if, you're, if you put a check mark here, would you please stand? And then the individuals stand and say, okay, if you're looking for support in some way outside of what we're doing here... Please go up to one of these individuals that you feel comfortable with and then ask them what that means. Ask them what that means to them, offering yeah. you support. Yeah, that's great. That's and then, great. And then there's also, in the meeting specifically we're talking about with Randy, there's a, a text group, a group of brethren who are on a text group together and they can text anytime, any day. Well, and, and, just, and I think, and I I think to Matt's if point, I'm, if you're going to a 12-step and they're not implementing these... Be the implementation. Yes. Talk to whoever's facilitating the meeting and be like, hey, so I listened to this podcast with these guys, and they said people do this in a 12-step meeting. It's a good idea. Could we do it? Or, you know what? Don't even give us credit. Say it's your own idea. Say, I bumped my head in the shower, and God told me we should probably do this. I don't care. Just get it in there, you know? And um, uh, so... Um, and, not all, and not all facilitators and missionaries are the same. You know, there, there's some that uh, might... Um, aren't it truly as invested maybe as others or they're new missionaries and and so there's a, a growth for them also to be able to do that so if the missionary is not doing that and facilitating opportunities for that then I encourage anybody even new, if you're gregarious at all, even though you're shy in your first meeting, to suggest that. You know, to, to yeah. this is an open forum. There, there's no box. Give them a benefit of the doubt. Yeah. yeah. Well, I right. want to actually add to that. I, I think that, that not only you know, do we have to have context of here's how to do it, but there are different personalities, right? Like introverts and extroverts, we're different people. We handle our emotions differently. We cope differently, even though we can agree that we're sharing a similar, you know, sin that we're trying to overcome and get to the core of it and find out what's actually doing that. Different personalities deal with it differently. And so, yeah, you, there's like two approaches. It's like, you know, the how-to for introverts, the how-to for extroverts and the how-to for everybody else. Like, you know, there's, there's different ways, you know, like, um, my wife absolutely in any way will not ever go to a group because she's the biggest introvert in the world and she just deals with it differently and she's recovering in her own way. But like that group, like any group is not a fit for her. And so the idea of being there, just like she's short circuits, she, you know, she's out. Well, and I think um, that's, and that's so, a quick highlight we should put out there is they do segue. do groups for um, spouses, right? And I, I, I don't think we'll go down the rabbit hole of telling spouses how they should do their recovery. We, we try and avoid that, and, I'm, and, I, and I do it intentionally because I am not a spouse, so I'm not going to tell them how they should do that. But I know you can. We've had women come on who are awesome and have had awesome healing and stuff. So I think you can take everything we're saying and apply it to a spouse going as well, right? Not not just someone going as an addict. So, I I think kind of, and I and I you know we want to make sure we get this one. So when I'm looking for a sponsor, because um, I think I did a poor job of this 
um, initially. And then I really just kind of got lucky finding an accountability partner sponsor. It was a, it was a guy I was friends with, um, totally a very special person to me, you know, a holy person to me at this point now. My friend Derek actually helped me start Unashamed Unafraid. Um, he was the one that was like, sure, dude. Hit, hit go, you know? Um, and, and it was just, we were friends. I feel like God threw him in my life for like some random purpose. I was like, you want to hear a crazy story? And I told him my whole, where I was at. And I was like, I need an accountability partner. Are you willing to help me? So he kind of stepped in. So I, I think, I think everyone can easily see why an accountability person and support would be helpful. Maybe a lot of people feel unworthy of it or, you know, are still maybe kind of where Jason was initially, where they're like, I'll take care of it myself. So once they get off that and realize they need help, they'll um, figure this out. So assuming that someone knows they need help, what would you tell them to look for in a sponsor? Um, Because I know I've had situations, I've got a guy who I'm in contact with right now is like, I've tried three or four different sponsors and like, either they don't call me back or I all of a sudden it flips and I'm like, I have more recovery than this. This guy's not helpful at all. Like he's not even in recovery anymore, you know? So, so how would you, if I'm looking for a sponsor, how do I find one? What are the tips and tricks and of kind of finding a good sponsor? Well, I mean, Matt and and Jason, you guys are facilitators, right? So uh, I just defer to you because uh, I'm sure you sponsor people. Oh, Randy, we know you know more than you're letting on. (laughs) Make us work for it. Jeez. I I will say one thing. Okay, I will come back to you, Randy. Yeah, I I will say one thing. Um, The church, actually, in the ARP program, um, has a a document, a blue, at least it's blue in most of them, um, a, a, a one sheet yeah, a blue sheet. Called Support and Change. Yeah, Support and Recovery. And, and it's basically the idea is that um, it, it in and of itself states ARP is a step in the right direction. It is not the end-all, be-all. It talks about there are four types of support. There's, and correct me if I'm wrong here. Like seven fill me types. In. Seven, yeah, yeah. It's a bunch of types. There's support with <laughs> support with other brethren, which is ARP. You come and you feel support from the men around you. Um, there's support from a trusted friend or a sponsor or an accountability partner or a spouse, right? Now, I will warn you there, not all the time is your spouse the best option for an accountability partner. Sometimes uh, I would that say majority of work. time it is not. Yeah, yeah. usually it's not. Usually it's not Maybe we'll separate those out into two separate types yes. of support. Um, it also mentions therapy. Yep. That therapy is an incredibly important thing because you can recover – connection-wise with other brethren, but you need to also recover emotionally and mentally, uh, well, and, that's, and it's, that's the therapy it's, portion. Therapy can get education right. and processing in a way you're not going to get it from And so the, there's lots of else. different types of support out there. As far as the, the sponsor goes, what you're looking for is somebody who, one, understands true recovery, right? What is recovery, not sobriety? We kind of already talked about that. They've been, preferably been through the steps, at least through step four and five, um, they've had the time to to examine themselves and confess to somebody, right? Um, preferably somebody who is practicing sobriety, but so I maybe mean, someone who is more authentic than they are confident. Yeah. Well, that there's support, and then there's sponsor. Yeah. I mean, a sponsor should be a. Should, Here we go. Yeah, now they're, Randy's they're, ready. Now Drop ready. some knowledge, Randy. <laughs> you guys just threw a softball. You you already know the answers. Uh, so. Yeah, so you have someone that can offer support, and they could be an accountability partner. They could be somebody you can just pick up the phone and call. Uh, then you have a sponsor that is the accountability person. It's somebody that you read your step four to. 
and uh, and and you open your veins for that person, and that person can also not well, won't put up with your crap. Yep. You know that you have to be accountable to that person that you call every day, you check in. I mean, that's a true sponsor, and and means well, I, I wanna, go ahead. Well, you, I just I want to capture that moment that you call into. That's right. And so I've sponsored over a hundred guys in the last four years. I text them every morning and two or three actually respond back daily, but I'm reaching out to them and only one of my 13 reaches out to me. And out of those 13, we'll make a guess which one is most likely to find recovery and healing. And I think that that's it is that like that, that's the, the secret sauce to any of this is like actually doing it. The, the, the actual choice to stop lying, the actual choice and desire to get to the bottom of it is actually rare. And it's so, it's sad because the addiction does that to you. The shame does that to you. The hurt does that to you. And the only way that, that we know how to get rid of pain is to cope in a really unhealthy way. Say the pain of being honest with someone doesn't necessarily change because you showed up to a meeting. And so like being, having a sponsor means like really actually telling them what's going on. And I lied for a long time because I was relapsing, even though I wanted to change, I was relapsing and I was ashamed to tell this total stranger I'm failing, you know, and they would be like, dude, totally. You're probably failing just like me. And I'm like, Ugh, yes, thank you. So the, the thing I wanted to highlight was, uh, uh, Randy, you, you said, uh, you need somebody to call you out on your crap. Can you tell us what that means? Cause I, that's so important. Well, and I'm going to give you another segue in. So I, I think that recovery is hard and real changing is hard. No. Right? Just put it out there. Just <laughs> just that. I mean, addicts are my, one of my favorite people for that reason. They have changed their life in a way that most people never do. Right? Making a, as big of a radical becoming change. Becoming healthy. Right. Becoming healthy in such a radical way. Right? Like, how many people do you know who are really significantly overweight and really lose the weight and keep it off? Or, like, really change where they're at? So, I have a lot of respect for people who really recover. Right? And, um, but I remember my first accountability partner, I used my sister and who's awesome. And, um, I was like, I need you to call me every morning. If I don't, you know, if I don't call you by 7am, call me. And, and I was just struggling and hopelessness. And it was early on. And she was like, you know, if you don't, um, if you're not going to call me every morning, like, I don't know why I'm helping you do this. Like, I don't want to have to like carry you. And I remember I kind of got phone. I'm like, if I had the intestinal fortitude and the grit to be doing all this myself, I wouldn't need you. Like, this is why I'm needing help. And so kind of going back to that, the call it on the crap. And you said there's a difference between someone to kind of help lead you as a sponsor versus just men who support you, who can go, uh, hey, I'm where you're at. And that's really hard. And you need that community too. So tell us more what you mean, Randy, about that sponsor relationship. And, and really, so anyone, including myself, can listen and go, okay, that's who I need. So I know one fellow who's in Cocaine Anonymous, and he sponsors people. And he says, one strike, you're out. If you don't call me, I drop you. So, Oof. so that's that's calling out on crap. Crap yeah. is resistance, right? It's that book okay, uh, again on war on art, and uh, it's 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 excuses, it's justification, it's um, not be, not being accountable. That's crap. Yeah, you know, that's at the essence of of all the symptoms. Bl- blaming your spouse or. Whatever it is, yeah. yeah. Whatever excuse, whatever resistance is, that's crap. Yeah. And a good sponsor will say, you call me, that's it. If you don't call me, well, that's one approach. Yeah. 
So tell me some identifiers. If I'm showing up to a 12-step group, Randy, what are some identifiers that I could find that good sponsor? What are some signals maybe that are going to tell me, yeah, that's the type of guy that Randy's talking about? Matt, you're going to say something, sir. Yeah. Well, the one thing I wanted to uh, kind of leave with, um, and and you talked about the identifiers, the signals. The big paradigm I think that ARP and the gospel teaches us is that surrender is actually strength, and that is so hard. It's so hard to learn that and then do it. And the idea that if I surrender my will, and even knowing what that is, and then and then giving it to someone else to help, like and specifically the Lord, but a sponsor, an accountability partner. And step four and five really help that happen where you just put it all on the line and you're like, here's every wrong thing I did. Here's how it happened. Here's why it happened. Here are the good things I did. Here's how it happened. And that, that vulnerability, that surrender is really a conversion moment for the program and for change. But without that, the, the, the program is near impossible and recovery is, is basically impossible without surrendering. And everyone is willing to surrender to come to the first meeting and to do step one, but very few people, step three actually teaches us this. And I, it took me a long time to see step three is the most important step of turning your will over. We've heard that statement, turning your will over our whole lives. And it wasn't until I actually had to, that I knew what it meant. And I think that's probably where people are going to find their most success is really, you know, blowing out and expanding step three in preparation for step four. And I actually didn't get that until my fourth go through of the 12 steps. And Having a good sponsor, having an accountability partner, you have to surrender yourself to these people. And it is such a beautiful moment from human to human. That's where real friendship and real trust is created is vulnerability. Uh, Brene Brown really talks about this at length. And that vulnerability is when a sponsor and accountability partner become that agent of change to help you in that, in that process. So Yeah, that's awesome. So, so Randy, I mean, if you could sum it up, we've talked a lot about what 12-step isn't and what ARP isn't. To you, what is it? I believe ARP is repentance. I believe probably the most important commandment is repent. Um, and this is life eternal, to know thee and God, uh, to, know thee, uh, to know God, the eternal Father, and His Son, uh, Jesus Christ, whom He has sent. I believe that we all repent our way to heaven. I don't believe we commandment keep our way to heaven. And maybe the commandment is repent. That is it. Because we're all imperfect, but we're never going to return back to God if we're not repenting. Um, we Repenting, the, the term in German and Swedish is to turn about. And that means turning to God. Uh, when Moses lifted up the brazen serpent and Alma then and said, if you look at this, you will live. After all the people were being bit by the snakes and, be, and dying from the poison, Moses went through with that. There was no, no setup. There were no classes about what happens when you when you come to God, and there was no symbolism class, anything at all. People were dying. And so Moses just said, you look at this snake and you'll live. And then Alma says, if you knew that you could just look at it, and that it would heal you, would you look? And that's what he's trying to teach of what Jesus does. It's as simple as that. Redemption is as simple as just believing and looking. There was no instruction. It was just to underscore how redemption and healing can be that simple if we just believe and choose. And then everything can change after that. So for me, ARP is about repentance. It's it, like 
Jason, I've said this often, we were sitting in class and just said, I believe that if a Mack truck came in and, and plowed into our building and killed all of us, after reunions in heaven with our loved ones, we'd be sitting back in the circle again talking Jesus and talking redemption. And I believe we would all be in heaven together doing that because we're repenting. Yeah, and just that change. That's awesome. Uh, so, Randy, we're going we're gonna to give you the final word here. So you can't you can't pass the buck here to to Jason, although I love everything Jason shares all the time, because I hear all the comments Jason makes off the mic right behind the scenes, and so I, I get a lot of good things from Jason. But I am just starting recovery, or I am burned out. I've been in the cycle for years. I've showed up to some meetings. Maybe I've done some therapy. I've kind of disclosed my addiction, but I'm. I'm in relapse constantly. I'm back to not being honest. And I just, I'm not buying it, Randy. I'm just not buying everything Matt's shared and Jason's shared. Um, but, you know, I, God's still trying to reach this person. And I, and I think he's going to do it through you. So if I'm that guy, and we all know him, you can see this guy in your mind. You meet him all the time at your meetings. If that guy's listening right now, what would you tell him? Well, the first thing is that he's listening, and that's the first step. And uh, it's, it's the door that opens up. Um, when, when Christ said, I stand at the door and knock, if anybody hear my voice and open the door, that's somebody who's listening. Somebody who comes to the meeting is willing to listen. Um, and somebody who has even their arms folded sitting there in the group is listening. And um, at that point, um, agency is such a beautiful thing. That the, the ability to choose in or choose out, both are just as sacred. The ability to give birth to a baby, to choose birth, and the ability to abort that baby, both choices are just as sacred. Uh, the one is life-affirming, and the other one is not life-affirming. But the ability to choose either way is just beautiful, and uh, I. Th- and so my my question, my answer that is somebody who's listening there is to give Jesus a chance. If you don't believe the words somebody is sitting in the room, believe Christ, believe God. Uh, the rest of us are mortal, and and try and and audit your relationship with why you're doing it, why you're even there. Do you believe in a God? Um, because I've, I've learned that lots of people connect dots all the way back to God. They, I've disappointed my father or my mother or my brother or my spouse, my ecclesiastical leader. And so, therefore, I'm disappointing God. And uh, there are all these false equivalencies, and, and we, we, we mortalize all these things. So, uh, if you're listening, just keep listening. Um, I, I love that that scripture, there's maybe three accounts, it talks about the centurion who gives word to the, the Jewish elders to go to Jesus and say, my servant, my beloved servant is dying, and you can heal him. I believe you can. And so Jesus hears that from the Jewish elders. He goes towards the house of the, of the centurion. The centurion sends out his servants and just said, he's not worthy to have you even enter his house. Please, he doesn't want you there, but just say in a word and my servant will be healed. And what did Christ do? 
he completely respected the agency of that centurion. You know, I would have just walked in and then give him a, a Dutch rub on the head. Oh, you scalawag, come here and give him a big hug, right? You're acting like an idiot, you know, whatever. What did Christ do? He did what he asked. He healed the servant, and then he walked away. He didn't walk into the centurion's house because he recognizes that his ability to choose is so sacred. So whether you're listening and you choose in or you choose out, both decisions are from God. Your ability to choose either is of God. And either way, if you continue to believe that, you're going to find your way to God and more and understand who he is in your life and understand that your choices then will have beautiful consequences and that you'll see that it's not about addiction, it's about recovery. There's a line, and I'll finish with this, the last line in the mission statement for the church's ARP program is family and friends who practice these same 12 steps will also find hope and healing for themselves. It's the biggest secret in our church, this ARP program. I believe everybody in the church should attend. I have a son who's not addicted, but he had some really immature things going on in his life. He had failed relationships, four beautiful girlfriends whom we loved, and they all failed. He started attending your ARP a year ago, and he's a changed man. He yeah. is now a man. And his stature is strong and solid, and he is solid with him who he is, and he says it's the ARP program. So it's not about addiction. It's about finding our way to God in our own divinity. That's awesome. Randy, thanks for being with us. My pleasure. Thank you for asking. Yeah, thanks for sharing your insights and, and, and some of your wisdom and your experience. Um, I, I mean, if it hasn't blessed anyone listening, it's blessed me. So save it be one, I think. Um, oh, and you. Jason, too. I know you've blessed Jason. And, and, and Matt, thanks for coming back and being with us. I uh, appreciate your insights and, and kind of sharing your story and your heart. Um, so for those of you who don't know, you can follow us on social media at Unashamed and Afraid on Instagram or Facebook. Um, get some content there. And if you are looking for a 12-step meeting, um, I have my two favorites on our resources page, um, the the ARP the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints program. I have a link there. Um, it's at the bottom of the resources page and SA Lifeline, um, which is one I strongly endorse. And if you're saying, well, Steve, but I am I am not in Utah, and so I can't find a meeting. Psych, they totally do. Online ones and phone meetings, both of those groups do. So if you are looking for a meeting and you are somewhere else, you can call in. There's also SA meetings. These groups have meetings in, in different areas as well. So uh, until then, um, Jason will continue getting a sweet audio, um, and appreciate him. Uh, again, shout out to Kirk Franklin for helping us get Matt called in um, tonight on this one. And until next time, remain unashamed and unafraid. <laughs>